Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is presented by Have a Nice Death. Hello, Super Ninfrendos. It is episode 654, I can't believe it either, of Nintendo Voice Chat, the world's best and only Nintendo podcast. It is GDC week. We are joined by Per Schneider in a suit jacket. Oh, hello. 
Yes, I'm all dressed up. I got my little my little GDC. Oh, wow, look at that badge. Wow. Yeah. Wait, the lanyard. Uh, a lanyardless Tom Marks. Hello, I'm not going to GDC this week. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, Thunderful Games co-founder Brian. I I'm sorry, I already forgot how you said to pronounce your last name properly, and I don't want to insult you. Seagerson. Brian Seagerson. That's Seagerson. Typically, Sierg- how I do Sierg- it. Yeah. Okay. Good. What? All right. Thanks for having there. me. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah, thank you for joining. This is actually your second time on the podcast. You were on before. Yeah. Uh, episode three. <laughs> hundred <laughs> something. something. Yeah. Back in the days of the Wii U that uh, we all look on so fondly. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. There, you look like you're about to say something. No, I'm not. I'm going to let you finish your Wii U love story there. <laughs> I'm not. We gave, we gave Seth a hard time last time because he he uh, he said nice things about the Wii U. And we said, right. actually. Um, yeah, and and I'm is... here now to back him up because I like the Wii U too. <laughs> yeah, you. you probably haven't turned it on. I, you know what's funny? A lot of our fans uh, and listeners turned on their Wii U after last week's episode based on your recommendation. And I've already seen horror stories about the Wii U's bricking the themselves or the battery pack in the wii u gamepad expanding uh and and not working so it is the worst made nintendo console like from a longevity perspective it from that perspective right yeah but hasn't it been a little bit uh, like like you've talked about it last week has it had a renaissance of of sorts or it can't because they don't don't work anymore (laughs) that's not true no (laughs) it is definitely getting uh viewed through rose tinted glasses there are a lot of people who are feeling sort of nostalgic my kids are about four or five years away from when they look back fondly on their time with the right now they couldn't care because they have you know uh, the, the cyberpunks and the virtual realities and things of that nature. Oh, I see. And also, they won't probably look back because we can't play the Wii U uh, because it won't won't play. Oh, by the way, while we're on the subject, thank you to everybody who reached out with uh, potential fixes. But unfortunately, my brick problem is different. It doesn't show like a code. It just doesn't. It just doesn't do anything. It just shows a red and, and white light on the so so long wind waker hd well it was fun while it lasted we'll never ever get that and because and because your account is not transferable to a new wii u right you i yeah i'm doomed yeah Yeah. Hmm. see something about that machine just wasn't thought out very well yeah yeah it's it's pretty heartbreaking i I was all excited to have all these cool stories about yeah i played it again and it holds up and it's really fun and you are all wrong about the wii u and then it just (laughs) betrayed me no look Uh, i said that last time i i was i was hamming it up a little bit just to be mean to you because it's fun but um no like nintendo land is one of the best couch multiplayer experiences just freaking amazingly designed and so thoughtful and and cool and it's like that's why i still have a wii u hooked up in my living room for that one game well just don't not turn it on every 60 days. <laughs> Set a reminder on your Google Calendar. Uh, oh In your Apple Watch. Oh, by the way. So mm-hmm. um, but that's we're not here to talk about Wii U. We've already talked about it. <laughs> we have actually a couple of things to get to today. But I wanted to start by talking about Metroid. Because hmm. Super Metroid came out March whatever. What was? Oh, my God. I've already forgot what, what Sunday was. 19th. <laughs> 1994. Mm. So we have uh, 
Ryan, you're good at math. What was yeah, that? sure. It's got to be like 29 years, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're close to 30 years of Super Metroid, but there are six Metroid games that you can play on the Nintendo Switch right now. I actually wrote an article about it. You can go check that out on IGN.com. Highly recommend it. But so we have Metroid for the NES. Mm -hmm. We have Metroid 2 for the Game Boy. We have Super Metroid for the Super NES. Metroid Fusion now, which came out the 9th. Uh, of course, Metroid Dread and Metroid Prime Remastered. And now I've gathered you here today so we can discuss the absolute perfect ranking and official ranking of the Metroid games, the asterisks that you can play on Switch right now. And I think we should probably start with the lowest. I'm not going to say the worst, but the least of yep. the Metroids and work our way up. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say... And you're all welcome to argue. Metroid 2 for Game Boy, probably the least of the Metroids. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, uh, you know, and, and oh yeah, man, I, I, I was sweating. I know that's a first. No, I was thinking about that. Like, <laughs> you know, Metroid Metroid 2 did some really interesting things that the the first one didn't do. But in the end, you know, I just I just think inherently the NES experience is still better than the Game Boy, and there, there are obviously hardware limitations that don't make. Uh, Game Boy, uh, the, the Game Boy Metroid 2 as attractive looking or controlling and all of that. I think that would be the one reason for me. But um, yeah, I'd say that's the lowest one. I don't think okay. there is such a thing as a bad Metroid game. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, th uh, that's the tricky thing with all these, with lists like this, right? Is mm -hmm. that, you know, when you're ranking lots of good things, something has to be on the bottom, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's because it is not bad or not good or whatever, right? Right. Something has to be on the bottom. Mm, yep. That's why I always try to qualify these lists with the least good. <laughs> they're all good, but one of them has to be the least good. So we're in agreement then that of the Metroids on Switch, probably the Game Boy 1 is the least. But it, I will say this for it, because it is on Switch, it's a lot easier to play than it was on Game Boy. And that kind of goes mm. for everything. Yep. Game Boy was smeary and uh, not easy to play especially with motion so yeah nowhere near the quality of the wii u yep <laughs> thank you tom that is correct that is the correct thing all right the next least good metroid i would <laughs> say is probably uh and, and i love it a lot but the metroid the original metroid yep. the NES. yeah hey man right. we're wow, like a 100 really match up this Oof, is boy ooh. i don't know <laughs> Where we're going to diverge here. But, no, no. I mean, uh, Metroid, I, I, no notes for me either yet. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. All right. Well, Metroid's actually the first NES game that I ever played. I played yeah. it on a, uh, a demo kiosk at JCPenney. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what the, the game was called for years and years and years uh, until actually the Captain N, the Game Master cartoon. So I'm, um, it gets really interesting now because like I'm really curious to hear what your next pick is because I have I have one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh what's left? What's left? Okay, so what we have left on the uh, on the on the Switch, we have Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, Metroid Dread and Metroid Prime, Prime. Remastered. Right. Yeah, so, so we're really in the like killing your yeah. darling stage. It's stages. getting very difficult yeah. now actually. Eh. Um, me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say the next, the the number four Metroid is 
Oh man, it's so hard. Ah, you started choose, that sentence confident. Choose wisely. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Super Metroid. <gasps> the next. You oh. chose poorly. Dribble, dribble, dribble. <laughs> um, why? Looking at the other ones, I I think. I mean, uh, it's such a great game. It's sort of hard to revisit, yeah. but only because it's a victim of its success. Okay. Where, like every every Metroidvania after that, obviously, because it's called a Metroidvania. Yeah, yeah. You know, leaned heavily, and it really it refined the um the Metroid uh, formula that had been laid out. Yep. By the original Metroid games, but I just I think that the other games on the list do it better and i think if this were a list of like most important mm. metroid games like this would be the, the the top right i think this is probably the most important metroid game ever but i think that it's the fourth best metroid game available on switch what's what, what where do we disagree here pair what is your fourth? i would have placed fusion here and the reason for placing fusion here is first, first of all i think super metroid is freaking awesome and i, I still think it's highly playable today um yes, it's absolutely. very compact right it's a very well designed quest that kind of it starts off really e eerie and then leads you deeper and deeper into the bowels of this planet and it's got cool surprise moments like busting open the glass tunnel which is then repeated in almost every game afterwards right like yes. it, it kind of like set the tone for future metroid games but i feel like it's a very pure well controlling 2d experience and the reason why i don't think fusion is as good is i think fusion is way too talky you know, Fusion's got okay. this. Fusion's I got this whole like, go here and then talk to talk to me there again, and then you arrive there and it it starts talking again. And it's like obviously it's in service of a story and it's interesting and it's cool something about that. You know, what, what's happening and who's talking to you. But it's just so freaking chatty, and I'm like, it kind of breaks <laughs> that immersion. That it is super chatty. It and you know, there's one Metro game that's chattier that nobody likes. Um, although I don't think it's a bad game either. Oh. Read the oh, comments baby. in this uh, episode after you said yeah, that. No, no, there no. There will be I, defenders. I think I think Fusion has two things. I think it is a little bit too chatty and a little bit too like, hey, go here next. Did you get that? Yes, right? Like, whereas like Super Metroid is like, you are alone. Screw you. Like, you're alone. Figure it out. And okay. Fusion is very much like, they're trying to make it more accessible. It, it's more hand-holding. It has lots of obtuse puzzles. And that's the other thing that I, I think knocks it a little bit. It's like, there's some puzzles where you almost have to accidentally uh, stumble on it. But on the flip side, it does have reanimated zombie enemies that go... At you, which is really, really cool. So I'll give it the props for that. And I, I really like this game. It has one of the creepiest enemies in all of gaming that you know follows you around and like it feels alive. And and that is repeated obviously in games like Dread later. Um, yeah, yeah. I I love I love Metroid Fusion. I would place it lower than Super Metroid. That's it. Okay, I think that's fair. Yeah. Does anyone else on the panel have anything that they would like to add? <laughs> <laughs> Especially saying that I'm right and Pear's wrong. I mean, no. I was just going to say that you looked so disappointed. Seth. Well, we this this would have been a first, like that if yeah. we had completely agreed. But you know, that's what video games all about. Um, yeah. You know, some people some people like um, really tightly paced, like creepy action, and some people like really chatty games that 
handhold you more. <laughs> it's only it's chatty actually... when it's put up against the other Metroid. No, no, that, but that's exactly it. Like, just as a classic Metroid fan, I really like that sort of sense of isolation. And so, whenever Metroid games serve up too much exposition in the main quest, um, you know, it, it disappoints me a little bit. But but there's a place for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I put Metroid Fusion next on my personal list just because uh, I just think it plays better. I think it's a tighter game. That's true. Um, yeah. And I and I a super soft spot for those Game Boy Advance graphics when you see them on the big screen. They just look. It's like a the the super Super Nintendo. Yeah. And I really really like them. And that's why I, I placed it. But, all right. So we disagree on where Fusion and Super Metroid should be, but barely. Well, we'll see now. I'm curious. My next game. We got two left. I mean, it's kind of. We have two left. We have yeah. Dread. Yeah. And Easy. we, I mean, like, it's. Come on. Easy. The next one's Metroid Dread. Uh-huh. Yeah. Metroid Dread is the, is the second best Metroid that you can play right now on, on Nintendo Switch. I don't disagree. And I say that probably as someone who liked Dread a little bit less than other people are. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Right. For me, I, I, again, I think Dread is a fantastic game. Not knocking it. If you are crazy about it, I'd more power to you. But the thing that got me about Dread or let me down a little bit about Dread was that it felt more linear to me. It felt a little bit more railroaded in terms of like until you unlocked all your powers, you were like supposed sort of guided down a straight line and like doors would close behind you and lock and you just kind of had to keep going the one way they wanted you to go and like that's not bad none of that was bad it just felt different to me than sort of like open exploration figuring out where to go if that makes sense that was that was the only thing that really like sets to right apart for me on this list of like compared to something like super metroid yeah i'd love to hear um brian's uh you know thoughts on that because obviously creating a game that is like truly or non-linear sure. uh, metroidvania is very difficult right yeah. and brian mm. you worked on games like steam world dig 2 that let you even destroy the environment with a with limitations so that yeah. you don't get you screw yourself and you can't get out anymore but like i always really liked i, I really like dread i i was so surprised at the quality level that this game is at and yeah there are there's sequence sequence breaking you know there's certain there are things you can do where you do a boss fight earlier but it is a more it is more kind of a is is a linear quest overall it's a little bit more like a zelda game where right now that you have the hook shot you get into this dungeon right mm-hmm. like the classic zeldas yeah but yeah like well there's there was a difference between the original steam will dig mm-hmm. and steam will dig 2 in that um the first one you you had to sort of uh, what do you call it? self-destruct a little bit? Yeah, you you would get yourself into situations where where you were messed up. So, dig two on the other hand, it was that was every every tile was placed by a designer. Like mm-hmm. so, the first one was right. to save to save money and also to make it more interesting or to save time, I should say, uh, when we made the original dig, and and also to make replay. A little more interesting. It was actually randomized more. Yeah. Wow. And it it, it got better and better, like you know, during develop during the process. Uh, but in the beginning, it's like you'd all all the time you would find yourself like, how am I supposed to get out of here? It's like you well, can't. Actually, you yeah. can't. You're yeah. If you dig straight down, right, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and and the second one was 
then you had to sort of, um, there's a lot of sequence breaking uh, possible in both games, and, and that makes it really interesting. But, but one of the cool things that Dig 2 has is that um, it, uh, you, you can, uh, as a player, you think that you're making choices. But the designers have done such a fine job. It's like, I, I would find myself digging down or, or like, or, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to the right here. Yeah. And then it's like, wow, I'm so lucky because this thing I wanted to find was here. And there was very <laughs> little in the environment that, that was telling me to go in that direction. But yeah, it was just something. And I thought that was so awesome. And we felt, I felt that I was, I, I was, uh, I had hired such clever people. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were clever, but yes. yeah, that that's one of those sort of um, things where when you do it right, nobody notices you've exactly. done it yeah. right. It's like having a, the referee on on the pitch, right? It's like the best referee. You don't you don't notice him. Like yeah, that's supposed to be there. Yeah, and to people who haven't played Steamroll Dig, um, it is a Metroidvania, right? There there are tools and and abilities that you acquire as you get better, but the you know, the difference is that much of the dungeon can be destroyed literally by digging, right? Yeah. Like you can get rid of blocks and they're different materials. You might need, it might take longer to dig through some things, but you, you can already in the beginning destroy a lot of stuff. It just gets easier and easier as you go along. Um, I thought that was such a fascinating game. Um, I played the first one and I really liked it. Um, but it didn't click. The second one really clicked with me. That was that played right into my love for Super Metroid. Like it just felt like the same sort of progression where, you know, Super Metroid is also a very linear game, but like you you always felt like you were finding a path that, you know, maybe you weren't supposed to find or like sometimes you would get stuck and you would use the map to help you figure out, oh, there's a there's a doorway I haven't opened it, right? Like it felt like that sort of you are exploring and the world is more open than, than you thought it was. And I felt the same way about this game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, just getting that feeling is, uh, you, you feel so good as a player when you, when you figure stuff out, yep. like, uh, like you were mentioning just before, like with the chattiness, <laughs> it's, and, and also with doors closing right behind you, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm obviously I'm not supposed to, I don't have to go back there Yeah. in, 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 in the dig games, um, you're supposed to go back. You you have to sort of revisit as you power up. You suddenly you can access things that you weren't able to do before, and so on. It was really interesting with the with the first dig game that uh, a guy got in touch. He sent us a screenshot, or he had taken a picture of. Uh, he played it on the on the 3ds, and uh, he had finished the game in in less than 30 minutes. Oh wow! And we're like. <gasps> What, what's going on, right? It's like my first playthrough was nine hours, and, and I, well, I suck it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not the best player, but like my best, my best time in that game, because speedrunning was a thing in that game. And so it would take me a little over three hours to, to, mm. to finish it. And here comes this guy who does it, who is not one of the developers, like he does it in, in less than 30 minutes. And it turned out that he hadn't, it was this thing that he, in the beginning, he hadn't figured out how to. He hadn't. He couldn't find the pickaxe, like uh, to to start digging, and so he started jumping instead, like wall jumping upwards, which you were you could do if you had the dexterity of a monster, right? <laughs> and and so he did these things and picked up a thing 
that you were only supposed to pick up much much later that got you so it made you so powerful yeah that he could sort of just go through the tiles like butter right huh that's was, so cool. Wow. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, yeah. and obviously what, what, I, what I love about game development is like whenever you guys see somebody breaking your game systems and figuring something out, like oftentimes the sequel addresses some of these things either by preventing or playing up to it, right? And like back to Metroid Dread, sequence breaking became a thing for classic Metroid games. And I think Nintendo initially didn't plan for some of that stuff. And then yeah. and then just owns it and like in Metroid Dread, like you can complete the crate fight in a very different way if you sequence break and like there is actually custom animations that reward you for that for like thinking differently from the the way that the game kind of like leads you to play through it, which I I, I thought was just so cool. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you know Pax is this weekend. I don't have any formal like business appointments or anything but when i do go to events like and i'm and i'm talking to a developer on a game that is sort of open-ended or not you know where you can sort of make your own path one of my favorite questions is to ask you know have you seen players do anything that was completely unexpected and every time they light up yeah they're like yes and they yeah, you know yeah, they yeah. just love that a, a, the, the a player found something that they hadn't even considered like it's just like such a magical moment and <laughs> i do like that uh, nintendo recognized that for dread which is as we all now agree the second best yeah. metroid game that you yeah can play and, and not to dunk on it completely right like it is a beautiful game it is an incredibly Who's satisfying two? Who's on yeah, it? Yeah. yeah like well i mean i was i was saying kind of i was saying why i was like maybe would rank it oh, lower sure. but like it is it is a fantastically like you said it's incredibly high quality right yeah. it is extremely yeah. high quality it's a it's it's a combo of super metroid and fusion right like it has this yes. kind of personal adversary you know in the form of of your little your little robot friends in fusion that kind of they follow you around and like ever so often it breaks you out of the sort of exploration trying to find weaknesses in walls or fighting a, a, a regular boss mode in that suddenly it becomes a game of survival and stealth in a way that the rest of the yeah. game is and like fusion did that and introduced those elements in, in clever ways and and this game just ran with it yeah. and i know not everybody loves that like there's there's a level of frustration and menace here and you see it right there it's like you know yeah you yes. can counter your way out of that last encounter but let's face it not everybody can always hit that button at the right time it is yeah. it is rough yeah uh brian you spoke about sort of the the feeling that great feeling of figuring things out mm -hmm. and one of my personal favorite feelings is when i'm lost and just despondent and i'm ready to go to a guide and just before like i open up the ign wikis i figure it out yeah. like ah yay yeah, yeah i did it i love that <laughs> and um obviously metroid prime remastered is my favorite i believe the best metroid that you can play on switch right yep. now however i am at that point that i get to in every metroidvania game period where i'm running back and forth because i can't quite figure out what was it i was supposed to do next so I'm waiting for that sort of relief to come when I'm like, oh, of course I was supposed to do that completely obvious thing and I was so busy looking at the graphics. Yeah, but but Prime, yeah. Prime, the original Prime did this already, right? It has this hint system built in that you can disable, which I also thought was really cool because they literally let you get lost a little bit more like in Super Metroid or Fusion. Um, but you can also have a hint system where if you're just kind of looking around for a while and not finding your way, the game goes beep, 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 incoming scan detected, right? There's seismic activity over in Magmore yes. Caverns and like, and it puts a dot on the map, but it doesn't tell you how to get there. 
right? So sometimes it puts a dot on the map that's outside of all of the caves you've already explored. And so then the puzzle becomes, okay, I know where to go, but I don't know how. And then I, I think that's mm -hmm. then, then it becomes another interesting challenge. I always appreciated that game design. But Prime, yeah. I mean, Prime Remastered, I feel like is a step up from the original in so many different ways. And I agree 100%. This the, is very unusual. The original is notable for what it squeezed out of the GameCube, right? Like, for me, it put GameCube on the map as a piece of powerful hardware because it just looked so good. But yeah. what it didn't do was, uh, and you know, in hindsight, we, we got used to it while playing the game, really enjoyed Prime, but not having the free look ability while walking was a real bummer, right? And the game wasn't designed around traditional strafing. You had to lock on to strafe around things, and it, it worked. And it was designed around quickly switching between visors and weapons, right? And, and especially like some of the later levels that Metroid said take different, on different colors and you need to counter them with the right weapon. Like in the original, it was super easy to switch between visors and weapons really fast. You can't do that in Remastered as, as well, right? No, um, there's a shift key true. you have to hold. And so it's a worthy trade-off though for the better control and the the look around and all of and, and obviously navigating platforms is even better in this one and i i was i was surprised how fresh the game felt when i replayed yeah. it this time and i think some of that is just the the original game design was so fantastic but then the remaster was it was more than a remaster they redid so much stuff yeah yeah i love it did you know that? Did you know that I love Metroid Prime? <laughs> yes. I no, we. I. I did. It's. I. I love it too. And you know, my. I blazed through this game and I completed like ninety five percent, and then you oh, know, wow. um, went 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 back. I. I updated our guide a little bit too because it was so outdated and didn't have pictures and worked with Sam on that. Um, but uh, it was actually printed. Yeah, it was printed on digital paper that you had to. Um, yeah, no, uh, but but now I'm hungry for more. I want to I want to yeah. see a at least a port of Prime Two so that we can continue the story on the Switch. And you know, considering that there's six games on the Switch now, maybe it sounds like Nintendo is, you know, up for that. I mean, right? They do leave us lots of clues that never go anywhere. <laughs> I'm, look, I think the next one to hit the Switch is Zero Mission, right? You think so? And, yeah, and like fitting that one into your list um that's gonna be interesting i'd have to think about where zero mission falls in year six because that's a freaking amazing game that's so yeah. good yeah yeah well i mean once we get federation force all bets are off yeah that'll be an easy seven <laughs> <laughs> and i don't mean rating i mean rank right now <laughs> oh, all right okay well that is our official ranking of the metroid games that you can play right now on nintendo switch this year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television, uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. 
So now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I would like to talk about a little game called Have a Nice Death. Okay, let's take a second to say that dying in video games sucks. Sure, it's a chance to learn from your mistakes and become a better player, whatever, but I don't like dying. I want nothing to interrupt my groove. But let's also take a second to think about how rigorous it must be for a Reaper to collect all those dead pixelated characters and bring them down to his humble abode. It's gotta be difficult work, work that I, Seth Macy, would like to honor today. And it's all presented by Have a Nice Death. These are my honorable video game Reapers. Reapers such as Death from Castlevania, who seems to show up in every Castlevania game, but unlike actual Death, not very hard to beat. Or those bothersome Reapers from Kid Icarus who lose their minds at the mere sight of our hero. Gomez is the closest thing to a Grim Reaper we have in Hyrule, but also maybe the coolest Zelda boss of all time. I don't know, I think so. But then, of course, there's Manny from Grim Fandango. Um, actually, not really the Grim Reaper, but look, is an employee of the afterlife, so not to get too pedantic, but I'd argue that qualifies. Now, one other busy Reaper that has his work cut out for him is Death. That's right, Death himself from Have a Nice Death, the hand-drawn 2D action roguelike where players get to play as, uh, well, Death. I mean, it's right there in the name. Is the founder and CEO of Death Incorporated, the underworld organization responsible processing souls which may sound like a plush job but processing souls in the afterlife is no cakewalk 
No, you need to keep your department executives, also known in the game as sorrows, in line, especially the ones snatching up too many souls on Earth. You gotta bring it under control. I love the art style of this game. I love the characters. I love the weird gibberish language that they speak. I have a soft spot in my heart for weird video game gibberish languages. The controls in this game are super, super tight, like crispy, folded, starched over an iron. They're amazing. There are lots of different combos to pull off without feeling overwhelmed. I know that in a lot of games, even in like Metroid, sometimes it just it feels overwhelming to pull off these moves. But in in, in Have a Nice Death, I never felt that sense of of just like losing control. It's a roguelike. It doesn't that doesn't feel insurmountable. Like sometimes roguelikes are just miserably tough. This is a challenging game, but if you fail enough times, hey, you unlock easy mode, which is a little humbling for someone like me who considers himself an old school gamer, but that's cool. I appreciate the offer. The levels are designed with a really nice flow. You know, you can just move through them pretty swiftly. And I actually like that. It just, it just feels good. Um, there's a good balance between traversing the levels and battling the enemies. Also, I dig the idea that the afterlife is just an infinite stack of corporate paperwork. Um, is that a metaphor for a real career? So if you want to stop dying and be death itself, make sure to check out Have a Nice Death on Switch, available now. See for yourself if death belongs in the pantheon of honorable reapers. Brian, we have you on the show, and Pear's wearing a suit jacket because it's GDC, <laughs> which is a huge thing in uh, every year. And uh, I have actually never been to GDC. Um, I don't actually really fully understand what GDC is, and I think that that's maybe not a not uncommon. From an outsider's perspective, it looks to me like all the game developers and all the, the people who write about video games get together in San Francisco and have beers together. Um, I think, is that, <laughs> is that app? That's exactly what it is. More, no more, no less, right? So it's, a, <laughs> okay. it's, well, so it's Game Developers Conference is what it stands for. And uh, it, there's a lot of uh, uh, lectures that you can go to uh, you, if you get that, if you decide to go for that uh, type of pass. And there's some awesome stuff to learn like from really brilliant people and they, i think it's curated really well too so they don't let just anyone start talking about something it has to be uh, topical and also uh, yeah it has to be uh, what do you call it like fresh it needs to be knowledge that you need right now mm. and mm. so it's it's uh, rarely do you get uh, some someone uh, talking about the old days and so on, right? It's, uh, it's, it, I think it's very, very interesting. But that said, uh, Seth, it's, it's actually been quite a while since I went to any of those lectures. But I, I, one of the most um, important ones, uh, or one of my most important experiences as a game developer came during such a lesson, actually. Uh, because, oh, yeah, back in the... Uh, <sighs> Uh, a very long ago, like uh, in 2011 <laughs> or 12, I was at GDC in San Francisco, and we had not we had released SteamWorld Tower Defense uh, in 2010 on the uh, on the Nintendo DSi, so that was out. But we were actually predominantly a mobile game developer at that at that time, and we, we had jumped on the bandwagon. Everyone was making mobile games. And we were 
uh, it was shifting. It was going from paid games to free, uh, free to play, and we didn't know, um, we didn't know how to monetize like free to play uh, games. Mm. And so uh, that was one of my tasks: going to GDC and uh, going to lectures and figuring, understanding that. So the first lecture I got to was a very big one. Like there was someone who was who. Uh, claimed to understand everything about monetization. And so a super big hall was uh, used for that purpose. And I was late, not typically late, but I was late for that. <laughs> so two minutes or three minutes into the, the, the talk, I, I entered that, uh, that, that room. And it was, of course, it was dark. And it was like a big sort of, a, a, a big, what do you call it? Like there was a lot of audience and mm -hmm. a lot of spectators. And, the hall was so big, so there were actually three doors that you could enter, like from the side. And I, I just picked one of them, and and I got in where the speaker was. I didn't, not like I interrupted him or anything, but you know, I got in at that end, right? So he is, if you can picture it, like he's, he's like at the short end, and I'm hunkering down, like going towards the audience. And it's pretty dark, but then I, I saw something that was, uh, it was a, like a big revelation. Then I, I saw the audience. And the audience uh, at this lecture that was about monetization for mobile games, I was wearing a t-shirt and I could see three more t-shirts in the audience. The rest were wearing uh, pair class jackets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so, I just realized this talk is not for game developers, business. it's for business people. Mm. And, uh, and I just realized like this, we're doomed, we can't. We can't be a mobile, uh, mobile game developer if this is the way it's going to go. Mm. And I sat and I, I listened through that talk and I realized I don't understand this and I don't want to understand it. Yeah. I want to make games. I want us to be making games that people enjoy. And we have to find a way to make games that don't rely on monetization that way. And I'm not, sorry, I, I, I should say that too. I don't want to slam. Uh, no, we get it. Yeah, sure. you get it. But we have to find a way to be in the paid space. Um, and so which platform should we target next? Like we have this, we have started working on this. We have this idea for, a, for another SteamWorld game, this digging game. We should probably see if we can go to Nintendo and, and get this new shiny uh, dev kit for the, for the 3DS. And I think we were one of the first ones to actually um, realized that we didn't understand uh, monetization and sort of, it was like we were in a big, big post office yeah. where everyone is, is gathered around this one clerk, this mobile and uh, <laughs> mobile clerk. And then you had like Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox, and those clerks were not very busy at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I mean, like, I, I think some things have changed in the mobile space for the better, right? Like there's Apple Arcade now where you pay a subscription fee and Apple pursues games like Pocket Card Jockey, right? They pursue games mm. that aren't designed around a business model per se. They're designed around a gameplay concept, right? right. And so you get really good experiences. Yeah, but what you're describing is this mo the mobile boom turned into not what is a great game idea it turned into what systems can you create that extend the player session time and make them come back every day and then give them things that they can pay for and then we fiddle with the dials and ramp it up or down and and make it more sticky and more addictive and and more profitable in the end and like that was kind of a 
I think that was like a scary, ugly side of game development where, where you know, the story kind of got away from creating things people love and then figuring out how to, you know, extract value on it. Obviously, game developers need to get paid and they need to make a profit and all of that. But like it, it turned the dial turn way into the other direction. I remember some of those talks, right? Yeah. 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 So it was, yeah, it was a big it was a big switch, right? Yeah. Like a new era. And also, I mean, just years before that, like yeah. digital digital games uh, came about or like digital distribution, like with, uh, uh, with the app store leading the way first. Yeah. So, um, so there was just so much changing for, mm -hmm. for people who wanted to make games. And it, I think it was scary like this. Wow. It's like, are we forgetting <laughs> the important thing here? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, G sorry, that was like the longest answer to what. No, you no, that was the right? best. That was the best <laughs> that answer was... that I could have hoped for. That was amazing. <laughs> that was the Genesis story for SteamWorld Dig, which is look, you you wanted to make you wanted to make a game, and you know if 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 you hadn't been in that room, maybe SteamWorld would have forever been a, a match three puzzle game where you you know buy a pickaxe whenever you get stuck uh, so you don't have to self-destruct or something like that. No, I think that's fascinating. And I just to echo, you know, G GDC, there, I think this year there are about 30,000 people at GDC, so it's back to being full force. Wow. It's not like E3, right? It's a... No. It's a more relaxed event. There are panels that range from really well kind of uh, you know, expensively produced, well-presented panels uh, and sessions like uh, you know, Unreal did a demo of their face capture tool, which if you haven't watched the video, it's freaking awesome. Um, really, really cool. And then there are talks where you get a game designer, get a game designer from an indie game uh, who probably hasn't spoken publicly about their game before for the first time kind of sharing their path on how difficult it was to make a game or what it was like to make a game. You know, stories like yours. I actually think you guys should do a session sometime because SteamWorld is one of those unique franchises that isn't just one game type. Like you mentioned Tower Defense, you mentioned Dig 1 and 2, which are alike, but one is procedurally generated and one isn't. One is more like a Metroidvania, the way it's constructed. But you're also doing Build now, which is a completely different game. You've done a card game. You've done a turn-based strategy game. I think it'd be really interesting for, for indie devs to hear how you're branching out from, from like one gameplay style. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. That would be super interesting for people to listen to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, uh, you haven't done one yet, right? You haven't done a session yet? Oh, but I did. It, oh, you I, did. And okay. it, was, it was, and that was very long ago. And that was, okay. it, that was actually on the, a little bit on that topic. Well, not on that mm -hmm. topic, but a little bit on the topic that I was just mentioning before, how we left the mobile space, space to, uh, to continue to make paid games. Like, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, definitely, SteamWorld is, uh, I would say it's a bit unique in that way, that it's a universe that, um, that centers around these steam-driven robots. And they can, uh, we want to make games that are v like wildly different from each other <laughs> because it, it keeps us on our toes. We get to get, you know, we get to do interesting stuff every time Yeah. Uh, rather than just getting... Um, stuck in doing one thing and that also has its reasons i mean yeah. a million years ago image and form we were we were making edutainment games for kids and again <laughs> it sounds like i'm slamming things that we're not doing anymore but <laughs> those games were really necessary at the time and it was it was a uh, cd-rom games and we made something like uh, close to 50 games in in that series and and oh. towards the end 
well, shortly after we began doing it, we were bored with it. Right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it was, so we were making good money doing it, but we were creatively, it wasn't, it wasn't that interesting. So um, when we had the chance to, uh, to turn SteamWorld into what it is today, we grabbed it with both hands mm -hmm. because it, we had success with SteamWorld Dig. Suddenly, like we were, we were someone like a small studio um, that had done a good game. But it was also this interesting thing that we had made a game previously in the franchise, like a tower defense game, mm -hmm. and here was this digging game. Then I was adamant that like the next game we make in the SteamWorld series has to be very different from those two. Mm. Because, and if we can do that, if we can succeed, turn it into a good game, that means that we will be free you know, free yeah. at last, like to do it's to do what we want to do, like every time. Yeah. I think that's great. My my first reaction whenever you announce a new Steam World game is, Brian, but I wanted Steam World Dig Three. <laughs> no, look, I, I, I Dig Dig Two is 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 one of my my favorite games on on the on the Switch as well. It's just a fantastic game. But when you announce Quest, I'm like, oh, do I really want a card RPG, right? And then I remembered the last time you did a different genre in the Steam World series, and and it turned out great. And then I played Quest and, and I finished it, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm I'm happy that you guys are branching out. I could not have predicted build. This seems so like this seems again so different from your core, core games. Yeah, and SteamWorld Build is different in in a number of ways actually because this is SteamWorld Build is the first SteamWorld game that isn't made by the Image and Form team. Yeah, and that's that's crucial, you know. So that gotcha. this is uh, SteamWorld Build is uh, it's built no yeah, pun intended right by our. Uh, by a really great studio in the south of Sweden, uh, the station. The station has, um, I think they've they've really uh, embraced it and and uh, and run with it. I think, yeah, I, I could talk for hours, like yeah, yeah. ever about this because I'm. It's so you can imagine this. Like I got the I got the game for the first time. Like uh, or I listened to the pitch and I said, well, yeah, this works. How interesting! Let's make a, a town builder or city builder with with digging, or like or with mining layers, mm -hmm. uh, because obviously like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's like you would have a town like that, and there would be chances are there would be mining in a, in a town mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. Great, we love mining. Yeah, <laughs> and also uh, yeah, you, and we, we have from Sweden. It. You guys got silver mines all over exactly, the place, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in the genes. Yeah, so it's uh, so. Uh, there was just the worry that okay, will you understand this, or, or and are you going? How do we make sure that that you don't stray from what what we want in a Steam World game? And so, and then for the longest time, I was busy doing other things like Thunderful grew like mm -hmm. like crazy in the meantime, and uh, the Image Inform team they were working on some of them were working on uh, the Gunk, mm -hmm. some of them were working on other things, and. Uh, and uh, I was just hoping that the image form team could be there to sort of guide uh, the guys at the station. But and they're too busy with Team World Dig 3. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants me to slip yeah. up, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, that was going to be my, my, Larry, yeah. <laughs> my Larry King question was, what's next for the Steam World franchise? <laughs> 
try to eke that out. But right. I was going to just start there... guessing SteamWorld plus like a word, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. we did that last time when you were here many, many years yeah. ago. <laughs> we guessed at like all the different genres. Yeah. And I think we said RPG would be good. And you went all like, mm, yeah, maybe that'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's the worst poker face, right? Yeah. So don't start guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, no, Is but, there a... Yeah, go ahead. Is there a sense of like added pressure being so experimental with the same franchise? Is that, or is it just like uh, a more of a, a motivational thing? Cause I feel like if I were, you know, they're extremely well-regarded and beloved games and you make a different one every time. Is there, is there ever a worry like, Oh no, uh, the steam world naval battles is just going to be the one that nobody likes. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed, Steve Morrill Naval Battles. He's speechless. <laughs> well, you just guessed it, and so now he's embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, no, I would I mean, there's there's always natural pressure uh, in the sense that we we understand that we have to make really good games. And and we we understand that we can if we can get sloppy and not make great games and, and then we don't deserve to continue making Steamworld games. Yeah, I think you understand mm. where I'm I mean, so it, that's that type of pressure. We have that all the time, um, but we, at the same time, we only want to make good games. So we we make sure that we take a little longer to to finish them. I mean, it's agonizing sometimes to be on the inside because you sit there like, can we be done uh -huh. already? Like, especially back <laughs> in the day when we were very poor. You know, mm. it, it, yeah, we ran out of money and uh, like the guys would would ask say, so how long can we keep this up i mean how much money do we have in the bank and it's like yeah you know what it's like now is a good time to wrap up this game if mm -hmm. we can <laughs> but yeah wow. at the same time then i mean so there's pressure to make really good games that's that's vital it has to be really good but there, at the same time there's this awesome feeling of freedom that we the, and also that we get to surprise like mm -hmm. we get we are when we announce a game it's like christmas to to and we get to be santa mm -hmm. if you understand what i mean we mm -hmm. we can show it to uh to people and just we we're not so nervous about the reactions we're rather we're just giddy with uh, with uh, we just want to hear like how surprised people were that's great. What, what that next game was going to be. Well, and now you have all these mechanisms that tell you whether you're on the right track, right? I saw SteamWorld build show up high in Steam, in, in Steam, ironically, uh, Steam wishlists, right? You yep. guys are yep. you guys are trending pretty well in there, so that that's awesome to see. I was just curious, you know, as we're talking about genres and and the sort of multi-genre approach, are there genres that you wouldn't ever touch Ooh, yeah. with the SteamWorld universe? Is there like Steamworld kart racing is one dating sim. one tire too far, or dating sim, or is it dating is it just like right? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I no, I don't think there's anything that we wouldn't. Uh, there's yeah, we we're ready to steep very stoop very low. Okay, I mean, we, text uh, adventure coming up. <laughs> Steamworld football manager. Ooh. There, there it is. That's the one I want. I, was like, I would, cool. I would love Steamworld chess, and it would just okay. be regular chess. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love chess, but it's, uh, uh, I think, um, yeah, we. That's the beauty of it. I mm -hmm. mean, as long as you can make it relevant for, for the characters in the game, then the the, the core gameplay like, can and, and should be uh, 
new to us as well, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's nothing that we say is like, we're never going to go in that direction. Okay. And y'all have the flexibility too with the series not being being connected but not linear, right? So that you can go back into the past or you can yeah. go into the future where you're in space now or you can yeah. go in between and yeah. you can sort of, even though it's all in this sort of steampunk-y genre, you can branch to other genres within that pretty easily. Yeah, and and, and like you say, there is, there is a, a timeline right. for sure, right? And uh, I mean, now, now that we've announced uh, Steam World Build... We're um, kickstarting. Um, kickstarting is the wrong word because it has nothing to do with that. But we're sure. starting <laughs> a uh, uh, a video series called um, Steamworld Telegraph, that where we are going to talk about well the lore. We're going to have people on the show to talk about what the, how they have contributed, like graphic mm -hmm. artists, game, game designers, and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we get finally we get to talk about like the world. Um, Sort of, what is the timeline? Where are we? What's mm -hmm. what's well, not what's coming? We're probably not going to talk explicitly <laughs> about that, but Tell definitely it's like <laughs> what directions we could go go in and so on. I mean, um, yeah, it's very exciting. But That's about awesome. about Steamworld Build, like I, I was just touching on it uh, right now. I mean, it's new in in more ways than one. So there's like a, a new team working on it, and mm -hmm. they've been very respectful, I think, to the IP. And uh, also, it's the f actually the first game that we release in the SteamWorld series that is a 3D game. Mm. Like all oh, the, yeah. game, the games that have come out before have been all been 2D, and yeah, it's, mm. if you make 2D games, you can always sort of uh, you can own it. The graphics is always going to look exactly the way you intended them to. Here's the suddenly it has to it has to look really tasty, like from from every conceivable angle and so and, on. And your other games are very, you know, tower defense notwithstanding, are very character focused too, right? The characters are very large in frame with most of the games. They mm. they talk a lot. Like, how do you bring that sort of into the build universe? Because it's very zoomed out, small units, right? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the, like one delightful feature is that you can actually zoom in quite yeah. a bit. Okay. And then you... The, the buildings that you build in, mm -hmm. in, in the game are kind of their own characters. They're, the animations are fabulous and so on. Oh, cool. But when it comes to the, the bots themselves, it's like you say, they're, they're very small. So it centers around a, a small set of characters that appear in, in cutscenes. That's mm -hmm. where you see them. So you're actually, I mean, you're deploying miners, you're, you're building these houses and so on. You're not in charge of like a, a lead character in that way. Mm -hmm. So, but but SteamWorld is the SteamWorld games have really been like focused around the, the characters, like you say. So it's we don't want to we didn't want to abandon that. We wanted to have like um, characters that you can attach yourself to and so on. Mm -hmm. And so that was the way to solve that. Like they carry the story forward and so on. Awesome! Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, where can people? find uh the steam world telegraph where can they watch yeah that? very good well so in april we're going to start um broadcasting that that's going to be a youtube show so mm -hmm. okay um, we'll see how often it comes out but yeah monthly or bi-monthly something like that and uh there's a ton of stuff to talk about and so uh yeah that'll be fun excellent that sounds great yeah and then uh steam world build comes out this year yeah it does it it's right after the summer, I believe. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I should be 
should just tell you the date, but yeah, it just escapes I, me. I right mean, now. it would be an exclusive <laughs> reveal, and we would just be so so excited for that. But you know, you're not comfortable sharing with it. I understand. We'll just wait for Steam World Naval Battles to, to be announced. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Wow, that was, I mean, that would be a great game. Yeah. I, I know. Like, I mean, I just—it was the first thing that came to mind, and now I'm thinking of it. I'm like, actually, you know what? That makes, yeah. So that's not bad. That, that was, like big rusty ships and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, of course, they would be. St- I mean, we already have steam ships. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not right. not anymore, but <laughs> there are things. Time, time to bring them back. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's time for a steamship renaissance. I'm sick of these uh, diesel-powered boats all over the place. But uh, yeah, that was. That was the best answer to a prompt I think that we've ever gotten, or excuse me, I should say that I've ever gotten as a host of NBC. So thank you for that, like extremely informative and awesome, like look at GDC and game development. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to check out the the Steam World Telegraph because I just eat this behind the scenes stuff up. I love it. So Sweet. I don't have a good segue, unfortunately. And I was really trying to hope the one would hook there, but. I really I wanted to mention really quick, like before we went to show, someone broke the Super Mario 64 speed run record. Oh. We actually have a Super Mario 64 speedrunner on staff. Mark Medina, he's like rated what, like 200th in the world uh, as a Mario 64 speedrunner. But yeah, the, the 16 run, excuse me, the 16 star run record was done by Suiji, beat the game in 14 minutes and 35 seconds which is just silliness eating his own world record of 14 minutes and 41 seconds yeah yeah wow yeah and it is just foolishness i love speed runs i don't you know i could never do a speed run it's just not i I lack (laughs) the the patience or the skill to do it's it's the it's a trying over and over thing that i think the younger you are the more open you are to that um and yeah. mark medina our our in-house speedrunning guru he also runs a show called um devs react to speedruns i don't know if we did yes. a steam world one yet we should you Ooh, definitely we, should yeah that's yeah. a great idea yeah yeah a little synergy right it's there. it's really fun because it's you know speed watching speedruns really fun to see how in in many cases the speedrunners figure out the the kind of rules of the world and then break them and then it's doubly fun to hear developers react to them and like yes. some people are some people are just very aware of it but some developers are outright shocked yeah. and they're like i thought i patched that <laughs> I thought, what how did you get through the closed door like, yeah yeah it's really great yeah yeah so definitely, definitely check out yeah do that speed run yeah you should do it for steam will dig too since you yeah. should do it pair see how how quickly you can do it oh <laughs> me personally no we would bring in a pro oh, yes yeah. right. i would speed run it in about 20 hours yeah, I don't. I How don't long is it? Twenty two. So there it is. New world record for Super Mario sixty four. Breaking news! Wow. Right mm-hmm. before the the show went on. So now we're gonna hit the meverse, and the meverse, Brian, is where we just sort of talk about things that are happening. It's sort of a what have you been playing? But we can go a little bit uh, off the rails with it because I wanted to mention that. I wasn't initially going to buy any eShop games. Hmm. I was like, I'll never play them. Why even bother to buy them? Oh, this, then, is, this is before the shutdown next week? Yes. Okay. I was just deciding. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, I've bought them in the past. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I just didn't stick to that. And I bought, let me see here. 
Well, Kat, last episode, Cat also pointed out that the emulation on Wii U just isn't as good. The virtual console on Wii U isn't as good. Mm. Uh, but it is a more recent machine than, than the Wii, obviously. And, you know, to some people, probably more yeah. accessible. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I can't vouch for that because, again, my Wii U. Yes. <laughs> However, I will say that my... Um, 3DS works. Actually, I'm going to have this at PAX East. If you are at PAX East, look for a street pass from Seth Rama. <laughs> and I'll, I, I think I say something uh, Nintendo voice chat related. Does but... it still work? Yeah, it works great. Oh, oh my God. It was, I opened it, I plugged it in, uh, charged the battery, and I had a street pass. And I was so excited. And it was actually <sighs> from my youngest son. Oh. Um, you know, probably three or four years ago. <laughs> he is very cute. He says, you know, what is your dream when you grow up? He says, I want to be rich. Yeah. And I, I went and asked him, I said, oh, you were my last street pass. And I was like, do you, do you remember what game you were playing? And he's like, I bet it was Miitopia. And I was like, wow, that's, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what you were playing. But, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I went ahead. Um, I had a little bit of extra money because uh, I run a t-shirt business and it was doing okay. Okay enough to buy eShop games. So this is the list of the games that I bought. SteamWorld Heist. Hey, look Whoa. At that. nice yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very fun little I game. I love that there. game. I, the Ace Attorney trilogy is $3. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> screwed Good one. that one up. I bought a game called Fragrant Story, which seems like uh, like a parody of Square uh, RPGs. Yeah. Um, like instead of Vagrant and, Story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead, it's like, yeah, it's called Fragrant Story, and it looked charming. It's fairly recent. I want to say it came out in like 2021 or 2020. So you didn't reach it, research it at all. You just saw smell in the title and you bought it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, okay. who doesn't like a, a good fragrance? Yep, so, yep. Um, and then I bought Pokemon Silver. I don't know why I picked Silver, but I did. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was probably just trying to impress Cat, who, of course, isn't here today. Hard to impress. Mega Man X2 I bought on the Virtual Console forgetting that I have the Mega Man X collection on Switch. So that was, you know, not the best way to spend $8. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got 3D Classics Kid Icarus, which I'm the one person who loves Kid Icarus for the NES. This is the point that I discovered that, uh, you know, I've said on the-, the There's show so many, many 3DS, times, 3D Classics, yeah. 3DS is the, 3DS is the only thing that where I can see 3D. It's the only way I have depth perception. Well, that was before I hit 45. Mm -hmm. uh, now my eyes don't work well enough anymore. Aww. So it's all 2D for me, but that's okay because the backgrounds and stuff are really cool. Um, it's a really hard and kind of dumb game that I love. anyway. And then the last game I bought based on a Pear Schneider recommendation, actually Pear's column this week uh, for Hidden Gems mm -hmm. is all about the Goemon series. Ah, and which one you get? I got Legend of the Mystical Ninja because that was the only one other than this uh, Game Boy one. And I oh, figured I, I would probably like yeah. Legend of the Mystical Ninja. And I played it for about an hour last night. And I didn't know what was going on at all. I was just running around, like throwing a yo-yo at people. And a guy was holding a fish. Yeah. And the fish attacked me. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and then everybody turned into ghosts and the shops closed down. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's the one, right? Yeah, this is the yes. Super NES one. Yeah, that's right. The ghosts take over and then you got to fight this uh, ghost lady that throws plates at you. I think I still, <laughs> I think I still have my SNES cartridge. Yeah. For this. So the, I, oh, I, wow. 
I like my my column got a little long, so I didn't go into it. But like all of the ghosts in Goemon are inspired by traditional Japanese ghost stories, right? So there there are a lot of like yeah, the characters. There's there's one woman who keeps falling and spilling, like dropping uh, dishes on the ground. That's a, that's a specific ghost story. Mm. They're the uh, one eyed uh, one eyed uh, uh, umbrellas that are jumping around. That's another ghost story. Another traditional ghost. So even though it looks like crazy madness that they made up, everything is rooted in fol folklore. So it's like, you know, if you're a fan of like Grimm's fairy tales, you would, you know, th this is the equivalent for Japan where they would all recognize those characters and those archetypes, which makes it really cool too. Yeah, as a kid, I remember recognizing so many of the enemies in that game to the enemies in Pocky and Rocky. That's right, yeah. And, oh, and Kiki Kaika, yeah, yeah, uses the same. Yeah. There, not knowing the, the cultural significance behind it. No, totally. And there's the, there's the lady with the long neck. Yeah, you know, she's that. That's a, another creepy fairy tale. Um, there's actually a Japan like the probably the most watched kids show in Japan was uh, called Mukashi Banashi, which is every week they had one of these stories and they're mm. all mildly creepy. It's uh, <laughs> you know like they're they're actually some of them are outright scary, but it was every kid in Japan watched these shows and every grown up you know, now remembers all those things. So I think there's a lot of fondness for that, and that's why Goemon was popular too in in Japan. Uh, I'm yeah. glad you bought that one. That's a that's a really good one. Yeah, I get a. I, I think it's going to take me a little while to get into it. I also think I'm probably not done. Yeah. Um, buying. Things. Oh my god, I forgot. There's another game, uh, Crimson Shroud. I texted friend of the show, Jared mm. Petty, friend of everybody. I said, Jared, what is the one RPG you would recommend on the 3DS eShop? He said, Crimson Crimson Shroud. It's okay. such a weird, delightful game. And uh, I don't know anything about it. I know that it is by uh, the studio that does Layton. Why am I blanking on that? Um, uh, yeah, it's Level a five? weird game. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I kept wanting to say Factor 5. Oh, I know that yeah. that wasn't it. I don't even know what that Factor 5 is. So that yes, is Level the 5. the Rogue Squadron team. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. So it's a, it's a weird game. It's like D&D, &D, but huh. with uh, you roll dice. And everybody's a miniature. Nice. Um, and it's it's such a weird. I, I've never heard of this game. But hey, if Jared Petty recommends a game to you, by God, you gotta buy it. Yeah. Recommendation. Or you could have and done think, you could have done what the completionist did and just bought all of the games. That is bananas. Like, what do you spend like twenty something thousand, like yeah, thirty yeah. thousand dollars? And he's donating it for for game preservation. It's awesome. That Khalil, uh, you who's been on cool. this show before too. Um, that's freaking amazing. It took that so is... long too, and like it was I... such a complicated process. He made a yeah. video about it that you can watch on YouTube. Highly recommend watching that. Yeah, it's really. It's like it sounds like such a simple thing. Yeah, and then the no. the ordeal that they had to go on to get it done is really Ugh. remarkable. Yeah, it's a... just the eight games that I downloaded was a pain in the neck <laughs> because you can't buy them from the 3DS without loading up a card onto it. So I would go to the Nintendo website. Yep, and then. Yeah, it was. And then the, the, the limitations were because there was so much fraud around those cards that you can't just buy 50 of them. It has to be spaced out. And like, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated little world. But um, I'm glad somebody did it so that, you know, if some publishers go out of business or a developer disappears, that at least that game code is somewhere hopefully yeah. secure on a Wii U that does not brick itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we still have access I might, to it. I might go back today and buy Horseshoe Crab Rescue. That one mm -hmm. keeps calling my name. It's a game uh, where you go and you flip. There's horseshoe crabs and it's mating season. And sometimes they flip over and you have to go flip them back over. Okay, I'm, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this is like 
a well-loved game that I don't know about, but Horseshoe Crab Rescue sounds like the name of a game like a sitcom would make up. Yep. As like a fake <laughs> it's an game. It's iCarly game, mentioned. yeah. 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 Like no no disrespect to the game if it's fun. I'm not yeah. I'm, no hate. It's just like that it's, name uh, is it's hilarious. A, it's like a dollar ninety nine yep. and it came out like last year. And Horse- so I think it was Horseshoe Crabs are like, not lovable project. creatures. They have a very painful stinger. Um, that, that is, which is they're, that's they're just an awful move. Three hundred. They have green right. blood, like a like a Vulcan. That's right. They didn't know we would come to this planet, so they, you know, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Find oh B-roll of Horseshoe Crab Rescue. Well, if you want Horseshoe Crab Rescue, it is out there, and this is the episode where we find out that the developer of Horseshoe Crab Rescue is a fan. <laughs> show, but there it is. Flip them over, help them get back into the sea to make another three hundred million years. Horseshoe crab. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know this existed. This is Love it. fantastic. Now you know. Yep. So, and it's for new 3DS. So, Per, what have you been up to? You've been switching it up. I was, you know, like. Hang the, on, Perry. Uh, there's one more game that you need to get. Okay. It's like. So, oh, yes. So, uh, the DSiWare store is yeah. coming to an end at, yes. the, at the end of this month. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that means that actually SteamWorld Tower Defense is not going to be available. Digitally available. Wow. Okay. And that is, um, that's weird, you know, yeah. it's like to have, you always, you create something and you think like whatever you create is going to uh, outlive you, right? Or yeah. last year. But here we are in this interesting situation where a creation sort of leaves, leaves the world. If you, it's, so it needs to be downloaded. Yeah. And so the, the challenge for you, obviously, is this game was designed with a dual screen setup. So it's yeah. not like you can toss it up on Steam as a playable, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you would have to redo this. Well, I guess there was another, uh, there was a PC version of Tower Defense. Uh, no. No, it was just DS? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to have to download that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just going to say the, the flip grip exists. It'd be good on Switch and just turn it uh, vertically like uh, some of those shmups are. But all right. Yeah. I will add that to my queue. It'll probably open the floodgates and I'll end up buying another 10 games. And then my wife will be like, why yeah. do we have 10 different charges to I, Nintendo? Our, already, our card has been turned off. I already own that game, so I don't have to buy it. So that's, but that's a really good note. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, people are going to email you and say, hey, you got to... You got to figure out how to reissue it and redo the interface for a non-touchscreen device or something. Well, yeah. are, you, are you guessing now? Is that- <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, it is such uh, a like particular shame that yeah. it's the 3DS and the Wii U shops that are closing yeah. because those are kind of unique within the hardware world in exactly. terms of like games that were designed for them can't just be like you yeah. know like if the if the playstation 3 store closes like not that it's easy to just take a playstation 3 game and put it onto a different thing but like fundamentally you could move that over to the pc without having to change the entire input system right or like the double screen setup or whatever it's it's such a shame that these are specifically kind of going this way when there were so many creative games made for those platforms yeah so Bummer. yeah, for my for my Miiverse story, I'm I'm still playing Fire Emblem Engage, and I'm at this point where you know I start off by playing it with all animations on, and I'm sure everybody does this and goes on this journey. And then as I travel more, 
I eventually start playing missions with the sound switched off because I'm too lazy to get my headphones out. Then I turn off the battle animation so it goes super fast and speed was cranked up to max. <laughs> and then I'm at this point now, you know, like some 30 hours in where every time there's a support conversation then they start off by, go, by going like, do you remember when we first had T? I'm like... I'm like, screw off, bah! and hit start and immediately bypass everything. Like, I don't want to know. Um, I'm at this point where I'm enjoying the battles and I enjoy the sort of storytelling for the main missions, but I'm no longer in for gathering eggs from chickens and like listening to support <laughs> convos. Um, but it's a, it's a wonderful game. It's just Engage is such a great game. But I wanted to bring up, like, it's really crowded on Switch right now. It's like this yes. time where, you know, we are about to go back to Advance Wars, right? There's some, there's a win for preservation where an Advance Wars game is coming back with overhauled graphics as a remake. But man, Kirby just came out, so I'm playing Kirby, uh, uh, Kirby Dreamland Relux. The Dead Cells Castlevania DLC came out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You guys know I don't particularly love roguelikes and roguelites. I love save points, and it makes me really nervous when there's ever a game where you just turn it off and you have to trust that it remembers where you were um like in this game and when you die you lose everything but man the castlevania dlc is awesome and it's just you know it's just testimony to the characters and the look that konami's teams have built over the years and the beautiful music and the says so many of the classic tracks in unique uh uh you know like re-recordings in this uh, it's not just playing the 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 chip tunes and the music from the originals mm. uh it's just a really fun DLC. It's like a quick, quick game. It's like four hours. But then also the theater rhythm, still playing it, loving it. Oh. Started Metroid Fusion. Uh, and then uh, Bayonetta Origins came out. And so I started playing oh, yes. that. Um, so that's a lot of it? a lot of games. Um, I like it. I'm not smitten with it. And partially, mm. like you may notice a the theme here. It's very talky. It's a very talky <laughs> game. Um, I'm, you know, it's, it's probably my age. I want to get right into the action. And this game does take a while to get going or to even establish this sort of dual stick setup. But I got to say, I, I love the presentation. It is beautifully drawn. You know, the, the way the characters look, yeah. the way the world looks, they are aware of the limitations of the hardware and they, they create, you know, fixed camera angles to make it look really, really cool. And then the dual stick, uh, setup is really, really clever. It, it reminds me of the sort of... You know, like the most uh, kind of creative games on the early GameCube or the Wii U era, right? Like the kind of Zack and Wiki age mm. where, you know, now you have two characters you control and they have different skills. And so your brain is asked to do two things at once and think about paths differently. Nope. I, I think it's yeah. really clever. It's not, so it's not a high action game, you know, where you feel like you're constantly stressed out because of that. It is a little bit more of a, like, think of something like Lost Vikings, you know, where you're, oh, okay. you're, you're doing things at the same time and kind of switching off, but you can actually do things at the same time. Uh, it's very, very unlike any other Bayonetta game. And, you know, sure. I, yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but it is, you have to have this sort of patience for the storytelling and the kind of like the the mom narrator telling you a story from a picture book and like i know my daughter loves that stuff but i i get very impatient <laughs> All right. i feel bad well, but i skip cutscenes or at least the reading I, of the cutscenes. that that's like i will change the, in, a, in a game where they have the option i'll change the dialogue to japanese because i don't feel as bad oh. i skip over uh, a language that i don't understand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I don't know. <laughs> That's quite but, a, a mental cartwheel right there. Yeah. I like it. I really, well, I, I really appreciated the, the shift towards storytelling while you're on the go, right? Like, remember, there are a lot of games back then, like, think of Gears of War, where, like, high action, high action, it's super fast. Oh, my God, this game feels good. Okay, now I'm walking really slowly with a hand on my ear, and we're going we're gonna to walk really slowly through this alleyway that has nothing to look at. And, like, then it evolved, thank God, thank, thank you, Naughty Dog, to games uh, where a lot, of, a lot of exposition is done while you're on the go, while you're moving. And I feel like more games can learn from that to not always grind really fun gameplay and action to a halt and say, okay, now listen to our story, right? Like, I really love that mm. sort of quicker paced stuff. So, Michael Bergman asks, Resident Evil 4 Metroid Prime, well, he doesn't ask, he says and then asks, are getting heaps of praise this year. Which do you prefer, a remake or a remaster? Now, Tom, you are a deputy reviews editor. Yes. I think this is a distinction that you and Dan have sort of ran up against in the past as far as remakes versus remasters. Oh, it's the worst, yeah. Reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious what, uh, we have about five more minutes. What is your sort of take on this, remake or remaster? Like personally, which I prefer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it depends on how much the game, what the game needs. It, like, okay. like I'm cool with a remaster of Metroid Prime because Metroid Prime feels modern in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. But I think if a game is feeling dated in ways that are not like part mm. of it or part of its charm, I think a remake can often make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, Personally, like I loved Fire uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, but like that game is not a remake to me no. at all. It is a no, sequel disguised as a remake, <laughs> right? And like that is one end of the spectrum. And then, uh, yeah. So I think I think for me it really depends. And the distinction is like incredibly hard to make sometimes because a lot of the time, and maybe you kind of have some insight on this, Brian. But like a lot of the time, the distinction is behind the scenes it's stuff that players aren't even necessarily seeing where you define like a remaster is like well it's the same game they just changed textures or updated lighting yeah. or something like that where a remake is they built it from the ground up and like functionally to a player neither of those things matter right you're playing the game that's in front of you and you shouldn't really be caring about what engine it's running on or anything like that so it's it's tricky but i for me, I think the distinction is really like how much they go in and how much developers go in and change things about the original. And that for me depends on which, like what the source material is to begin with. Right. Okay. The, well, yeah. We have Brian, we have about 90 seconds. So I'd love to hear you. <laughs> then, yeah. I w yeah. I wouldn't be able to fit it into that. But yeah, it's like you say, it's some. M m much of the time, I think it's on the developer side. It's like, yeah, we're so happy about the results. Right. And the gamer is not going to notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Final Fantasy VII, though, it's almost like an adaptation. It's like yeah, Seven it Samurai is. and the Magnificent Seven both share the same story, but they're so different. That's how Final Fantasy VII, it's, it's the basic story in a completely different game grafted on it. Whereas, like, Metroid Prime... Is a is a remaster in that all of the the levels are still intact, but they tweaked a lot. Like the different controls make it closer to a remake th than a remaster. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. There's all this nuance. I always say like keep the original games around so we can play those, and then give me give me a, re a remake so I can experience something new. Don't do the George Lucas thing where the original disappears and Oof. we're now supposed to just accept the replacement <sighs> as if it's always better, right? Yeah. 
yeah i agree with everything i think uh personally i prefer a remaster or excuse me a remake which i would consider metroid prime remaster to be a remake sure the re uh god i'm getting them confused i reviewed onimusha when they remastered that <laughs> and it was the same game that i loved on playstation 2 in 2000 and it did not play well in whatever it was 2019 i gave it a six and everyone was furious <laughs> you're so mad how dare you yeah my so. my final point would be none of these labels matter at all nope. they are all just labels and it 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 doesn't i don't i don't that i don't know <laughs> you know there are games in early access that are almost that are basically finished and they're games in early access that are a, a quarter early. of a game yeah right? what, so, what is dwarf yeah. fortress yeah right like exactly. <laughs> well exactly well with that, I have to say goodbye. That is all the time we have on NVC for this week. I know, Brian, thank you so much for coming out. It was awesome. Like thank I you. feel like smarter now from hearing your, your insights into, into the game world. <laughs> so uh, where can people find you real quick? Oh, uh, me? They can find me. Yes. Uh, the simplest thing is to uh, uh, find me on Twitter. It's Brian. It's my weirdly spelled first name, and then a shortening of my last name. So Brian Brian Sigur on Twitter. That's probably the easiest. I love to hear awesome. from people. So yeah, awesome. Just get in touch. We'll when we tweet out a link to this episode, we'll include your handle if we can Absolutely. spell it. Sweet. If we yep. can, yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if you at home watching or listening, if you could leave us a like on YouTube and a nice comment, and if you're listening on a podcast service, if you could leave us a review, it helps spread the NBC good word to everybody red thank you for uh manning the ones and twos this week uh, i actually am doing this because i i deleted it at some point so i'm doing it completely from memory that is all the time we have remember NBC is the only podcast where you can get the thing Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.